Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. This morning I shared an illustration at, uh, at Woburn, and uh, I read it out of a book, and I forgot the book there. But it was a story about John Harper. Uh, he's not a, not a famous person, but John Harper was born uh, in Glasgow, Scotland uh, in the 1800s. And um, he was saved at the age of 14, and he was very passionate about evangelism. He had several brushes with death. Um, when he was two years old, he fell into a well, and his mother rescued him and uh, resuscitated him. And then whenever he was in his 20s, um, I think it was in his 20s, yeah, he, um, he was washed out to sea um, through, with a current and was bar- barely survived that. Somebody was able to rescue him. And then uh, in his early 30s, uh, again, he had a, another brush with death that had to do with the sea. He was in a sinking ship that was out on the Mediterranean. Uh, so these experiences with death made him all the more passionate for evangelism. He knew that life was fragile. We didn't know when we had our next, whether we had our next breath or not. And he, he wanted to get the gospel out. He wanted to share the gospel with everybody he could. Um, he, was, he, he planted a church that grew from 25 people to, um, I think it was 500 within a, a, a span of about five years. Um, hmm? 13. Oh, Amanda remembered from this morning. Within a span of about 13 years. And um, uh, the Moody Church in Chicago heard about him, and they asked him to come and speak, and he did, and it went very well. And uh, they asked him to come back again. When they asked him to come back again uh, to the Moody Church, uh, he, he boarded a boat to come, and he was traveling with, his wife had passed away, and he was traveling with his six-year-old daughter, Nana, and uh, in the middle of the night, he came to Nana's bed and woke her up and said, our, our ship has hit an iceberg, and we need you to get into a, life, um, a lifeboat so that you can, uh, you can make it, and uh, he hoped that he would see her again. Well, the boat that they were on was the Titanic. And uh, what happened from there, we know from two sources. One, um, his daughter, she did make it to safety. She lived until 1986. Um, but there was a, a few months later, there was a revival meeting in Ontario, Canada. And towards the end of the meeting, a young man stood up and told his experience about how he had been on the Titanic. And when the ship went down, he he was clinging on to some debris and and trying to, to hang on for life. And John Harper, this man that I've been talking about, he washed up close to him, also holding on to um, some debris. 
And John Harper said, are you saved? And the young man said, no. And John Harper said, well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Waves took him away. And uh, they came back, he came back a few minutes later. And he said, are you saved now? And the young man said, no. And John Harper again said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. John Harper went away again and he was never seen again. The young man prayed and trusted in Christ. And he said, I was John Harper's last convert. It was a man who who cared about evangelism and he knew how fragile life is. It was also a story about someone who was, was in the water. And how God saved someone out of the water. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 2. And we'll read our text. Um, starting with uh, chapter 1 verse 17. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down into the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remember the Lord. And my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake (coughs) their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank You that You are a God who saves. Lord, there is no other name besides Your name that we can be saved. Lord, as this text says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Lord, we pray that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey your word. Father, be with me, a weak preacher, a man in need of your grace, and strengthen me to speak your word this this evening. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Last week we looked at chapter 1. Um, let me just recap the story a little bit to get us to where we are. It begins with the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and told him, Arise, go to Nineveh, and proclaim against it. Uh, Nineveh was, was this violent place. Uh, they were the enemies of God's people. And Jonah did not want to go. So what did he do? God told him to arise and go to Nineveh and preach against it. So what, what Jonah did was he arose and he ran the opposite direction. He fled to Tarshish. Nineveh was in the east. Tarshish, as far as we can tell from scholarship, our best guess would have been Spain, the uttermost western tip of the earth as far as Jonah knew. He was, try, he was trying to get as far away from God as possible. He wanted to flee the presence of the Lord. Well, Jonah found out you can't do that. Jonah knew God, the Lord, is the God who is the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. There is nowhere that Jonah could run from God. The Lord hurled a storm upon the sea. And the ship was about to break up in this storm. The the men were all afraid on the deck. They they wanted to uh, they were they were crying out. They were they were throwing things overboard to try to lighten the load. They were praying to to all their different gods. And then the captain came downstairs down into the ship, and he found Jonah asleep. He said, how can you be asleep at a time like this? Jonah, how can you be sleeping? Get up! Cry out! Those familiar words that Jonah had heard before. Arise and cry out. Cry out to your God. And so the the mariners, the sailors, they, they cast lots. They asked, that God would, would show them whose fault it was that this storm had come. And they determined that it was Jonah. Jonah was the reason why this storm was upon them. And so they asked Jonah, what should we do so that the storm will stop and so that, the, that we'll all live and survive? And Jonah told them, well, just throw me overboard. Throw me overboard and uh, the storm will stop. And you will all be saved. The mariners, these these sailors, they didn't want to do that. They were more concerned about Jonah than Jonah was about the Ninevites. They began to row and row and row and try to get to the edge, try to get to the shore, but it was useless. So finally they did what Jonah said. They picked him up and they threw him into the waters and all of a sudden it all just went calm. And these sailors, they weren't Jewish, they were pagans, idol worshippers. They were all calling out to their different gods. But because of what Jonah had told them, they sacrificed to the Lord. 
the true God. And they made vows to him. That's where we pick up. Jonah, he was in the water. The billows and the waves were crashing in on him. He thought for sure he was going to die. But in verse 17 it says, The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. There's been question, was this great fish, was this, was this fish that swallowed Jonah, was it salvation or was it judgment? Some people, they think about Jonah being swallowed by a whale and they think, well, well Jonah was being judged and he was in the belly of the whale because of his judgment. But I think we'll see as we look at this text tonight that the whale was Jonah's salvation. Or the great fish. I keep calling it a whale. That's just habit. It's a fish. The Lord appointed a great fish. It, was, it, was, it came from God. God was the one who appointed this fish. It was a giant fish, a big enough fish that it could swallow a man whole and and the man live. Who knows? One of the kids asked me a question about this today. Uh, uh, Could God have just made made this fish for this one purpose? And I think, yeah. Because it says in the text, the Lord appointed a great fish for this. Maybe, Maybe there weren't any other fish like this particular one, but the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Amy read from the text from the New Testament where uh, Jesus said, uh, an adulterous generation, they, they asked for a sign, but none will be given to them except for the sign of the prophet Jonah, who was in the belly of the whale... Uh, I keep saying that. Belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Just like Jesus would be within the earth. In his grave for three days and three nights. This fish came. God appointed this fish to save Jonah from the waters as it was crashing down upon him. And Jonah prayed. It says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, This is his prayer. As I was preparing, I, I, I was struggling over, is this his prayer? Or is it something he wrote afterwards? But I think actually as I... As I As I thought about it, it it makes more sense to actually be his prayer because it's a prayer of thanksgiving that God had saved him already from the waters. He's not praying at all about save me from this fish, but he's praying thanking God for the salvation that he's already received whenever the fish swallowed him up and, and saved him from the waters. Let's look at these. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and He answered me. This is what He's praying on the inside of the fish. He's inside of this great fish, and He's saying, I called out, past tense, I called out to the Lord, and He answered me. 
Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. Sheol is uh, the word for the grave. Uh, in uh, some, uh, it could be understood to be the, like the place of the dead where somebody goes to await the final judgment in the Old Testament, or it could be just considered the grave. But Jonah, no, he, he, was, he was as good as dead. He was as good as dead, flailing around in the water, waiting for someone to save him. And the Lord appointed this fish as an answer whenever Jonah was crying out from his distress. Then Jonah says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. He recognizes another thing. God was the one who put him in the deep. God was the one who cast him into, you know, it was the mariners, it was the sailors that threw him into the water physically. But he he knew that it was God's appointed plan. It was God who cast Jonah into the deep and into the heart of the seas. And as he describes his experience, he, he says, the floods surrounded me. The word for flood there is it's the word for a river. And as I can imagine that, why would you use the river when you're talking about being in the sea? I think it's probably talking about like the currents that were going on. So he was like being torn around by, by the currents of the water, dragged around and unable to do anything. The floods surrounded me. The, the, these currents... They were coming all over him. And it says, your waves and your billows. Notice that. It's your waves, your billows. Whose waves are they? They're God's waves. This is what Jonah is recognizing. God's waves, God's billows. They were just coming over him, passing over him. And he knew that he was about to die. And he cried out. And the Lord answered him. Verse 4, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. What did Jonah want to do whenever he fled away from Nineveh? He was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. As I said last week, he was fleeing from before the Lord. He wanted to get out from under God's piercing sight. God was looking down on Jonah and seeing everything he did, and Jonah wanted to escape, escape the piercing vision of God. And God looks down on all of us. He sees every single thing that we do. Jonah wanted to escape. He wanted to get out from that. And Jonah got exactly what he wanted. Verse 4 says, Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. He went from wanting to flee from the presence of the Lord where God could look down on him and seeing him, and then he felt abandoned by God. He felt, does God even see me? Does God even know what kind of struggles I'm going through? This is what Jonah felt like. He got exactly what he wanted. But then he said, 
This this low point where he felt completely abandoned by God, wondering if God even saw him. Then he said, Yet I shall look again upon your holy temple. He began to have faith rise up in his heart. He began to think about God. He said, I I will again look to the holy temple of the Lord. Verse 5, the waters closed over me to take my life. It's, It's like the waters, they were up to his neck, they were just about to strangle him. The waters closed over to me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds wrapped around my heads. The seaweed there in the the sea was was just wrapping around him and he could do nothing to escape it. He says, At the roots of the mountain I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Forever. He was descending down and down and down, down to the bottom of the sea, like he describes it as the roots of the mountain. He he feels like the bars of the earth have just closed over him as if he's, he's imprisoned down at the bottom of the sea in which he will never escape. But then he says, Yet you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord. My God. He felt like all hope was lost. He he felt like surely he was a goner. He was he was dead. He was going to be imprisoned in the bottom of the ocean forever, and his life would be gone. But he says, You brought my life up from the pit. Verse 7. When my life was fainting away, I remembered. The Lord. His life was almost gone. He was at the brink of death. And he remembered the Lord. And he began to pray. My prayer came to you and into your holy temple. The the vision there. He began to pray and his prayers went up to the Lord into His holy temple as God was seated on the throne. Maybe like that vision of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6 where the Lord was exalted on His throne. Verse 8. Jonah then makes a contrast. He talks about unbelievers... He talks about idol worshipers. And then he talks about himself. First of all, he says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Those who pay regards to vain idols, these idol worshipers, what are they doing? They're forsaking their hope of steadfast love. They have exchanged, as Romans chapter 1 says, the, the glorious God, the Creator, for creeping things. They have, have, have traded the worship of the eternal God 
for worshiping the creature. They have forsaken steadfast love. But what Jonah says about himself, I, with a voice of thanksgiving. Why is he thankful? Because God has already saved him. He was sinking down in the waters and God prepared this great fish to swallow him up. And he must have thought, well, if God has saved me from the waters and put me in this, he he must have something more for me to do. And he thanked the Lord. And he promises that whenever the Lord brings him through this, he will sacrifice. And what he has vowed, he will repay. Those are the same things that those pagan sailors did. What did the sailors do whenever the waters calmed down? They sacrificed to the Lord. And they made vows to the Lord. And here, at the end of Jonah's prayer, he says, with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will repay. And then finally, the last verse, the last part of his prayer, I think is the point of the whole chapter here. Salvation belongs to the Lord. It was only God that could save. The very first verse we looked at, who was it that appointed the great fish to to swallow up Jonah and save him from the water? It was the Lord. It, It was the Lord that cast him into the deep. It was the Lord who answered his prayer whenever he was in his distress. The Lord heard him. It was the Lord who gave him faith so that he could look again to that holy temple. It was the Lord who brought up Jonah's life from the pit. It was the Lord who has steadfast loving kindness toward Jonah. And it was the Lord who, in verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish. That's the same way the Lord created the world. He spoke, let there be, and there was. And here He speaks to a fish and causes this fish to vomit Jonah up onto the dry land. And Jonah was saved. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jesus was a greater Jonah. He even says so in the, chapter, in the verses that Amy read. One who is greater than Jonah is here. Jonah was guilty. He deserved what he was getting. And the Lord saved him. But I think particularly of verse 4. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Jonah felt like he was abandoned by God. And what did Jesus cry out upon the cross? But Father... (laughs) Uh, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani is what he said in Aramaic. But uh, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Jesus felt like Jonah felt. 
He felt abandoned by God. And maybe, maybe sometimes we feel that way. Maybe we feel like we've hit a low point. Maybe we feel like, does God even see me in my situation? Jonah here is a reminder, as well as Jesus, that God sees. And God hears us when we are in our low point. I think particularly tonight of of art. God sees art where He is. I don't know, I'm not with Him, I can't talk to Him right now, but I wonder if He might be feeling even right now, does God see me? We, we can pray that God will give art faith like Jonah's faith. That he can recognize God is there with him. Salvation belongs to the Lord. The other point of connection here between Jesus and Jonah is Jonah was in the belly of that whale, that fish, for three days and nights. And Jesus, though He hung on that cross, though He was buried, though there was a stone put in front of the tomb, He only was held in that grave for three days. And then He rose again and He put death in His grave. Salvation belongs the Lord. There is no other name by which we can be saved but in the name of Jesus Christ. We look to Him. He is the God who calmed the raging seas. He is the same one who calmed the sea for Jonah. He can calm any storm in our own lives and we can run to Him to receive salvation to receive forgiveness He can save us out of our troubles not that the Christian life is without trouble we still face various kinds of trials But the Lord is there with us through them all. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.